like the waters cover the sea. Hallelujah. Amen. We shall see miracles. We're going to see giants fall. He'll walk in the water. I don't care if you've fallen. Amen. He'll pick you up. You'll walk on water again. Amen. Don't matter what the situation is. This is revival. And it's not just for us. The whole world will be filled with the glory of the Lord. As the waters cover the sea. Amen. We appreciate the Lord this morning. I wanted that song that today... Because when I was at Brother Ron Spencer's three and a half years ago, when fear left him because of the cancer, you might remember I flew there with my wife Karen and met Brother Donnie and Sister Carol there. We went to Brother Ron's home and prayed with him. This is just right before the treatments would begin. I can remember as we were leaving the last day and we were going to go by the to the doctor's appointment. And I during the night I I heard voices from another dimension. And they were singing, We shall see miracles. We shall see giants fall. We'll walk on water. This is revival. And I'll tell you, they gave him a death notice of only a couple of months to live and even even the news even got worse as the cancer went to his brain but now three and a half years nearly four years later here we are today and we have seen miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle hallelujah well the critics will say but this is just not the season for it oh yeah this is a season for it. This is resurrection hour. This is rapture hour. This is harvest time. This is the finish cycle. Amen. I just say, get with it. Move into it. So, well, that season hadn't hit my life. It hadn't hit my church. Well, I'll tell you, it can. Don't stop it. Let it happen. Amen. Don't criticize it. Just get in the move of God and let him move in your life and your hearts. Let him speak to you in a personal way. And that's the way it should be for you today. You may look at it and say, well, it hadn't touched me yet. But as the waters cover the sea, the whole earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. It can touch your life today. It can start today. Let it be today. You just say, God, today I need my miracle. Today I need a healing in my life. Today. I need a a greater consecration, dedication. I need you, Jesus, today. Jesus Christ is the same today. 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 The miracles of yesterday are wonderful. The promises of them for tomorrow are great. Tremendous. But today is the day of deliverance. Today is the day of salvation. Amen. Why don't you take your need to the Lord today?
let him speak to you in a personal way say Lord will you just come by my way I, I, I need a heavenly touch today I need a heavenly touch the heavens are witnessing of the miracle of the Lord amen oh Jesus will you just meet your people's need Lord today Ever need, Lord, will you just supply it according to your riches and glory as you promised? We just come by our way today, right here at Evening Light Tabernacle. Those that are despondent, worried, or those that are under a cloud of depression or, or fear, may today be a day that it's lifted and they come into the position that you promised them that they could be in. In the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I ask, Lord, that you'll minister to hearts and lives today and bring deliverance everywhere, Lord, to every need. Heal your people. Touch them, Lord. Supply their needs, Father. Speak to them in a very personal way today. It's in the name of Jesus. We're just asking, oh God, for those that are in need today, our brother Tim Winters that just had to leave the service suffering with kidney stones. I pray, Lord, that you'll take the pain away that you'll bring healing to his body Lord that the thing will pass Lord we've seen you do miracles we're just asking Lord that you would grant it today for him and his life and every need of the body of Christ around the world Lord there are those that are sitting in little uh, almost in little forgotten places way out of the way maybe down in little areas as we've we just hear from even today of Kenya writing in and saying, Here, we're, we're feasting on what you're preaching. And we're hearing of others that down in South Africa that are joining with us, Brother Wilson and his family, joining with us today in this service. I pray, Lord, a special blessing upon them and their needs, Lord. As it goes around the world and it speaks, Lord, may it speak life to your people. May it bring a joy to their heart knowing that we serve a risen Savior. May, oh God, you move in this church today in this service and speak, Lord, as in, a, in a special way. I ask it in the name of Jesus that you'll do it. Thank you, Lord, for the victories. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You'll turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to read from verse 1 this morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today and, and looking forward to the things he has in store for us. I believe he's a personal God. He cares about you and your need, your situation. Amen. It's nice to have you, Brother Alvin, Sister Janice, here today. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Each one of you, some of you that hasn't been here in a while, visitors that are in our midst today, we want you to say we're glad that you're here with us today. Pray that God will speak to you in a very special way. Let him know that he, he loves you, that he really cares for you. Amen. I, you know, we just pray that God would have mercy upon each one. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath 
blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. As he, according as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both, be, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, and whom you also trusted after that you have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. God bless you. You can be seated. May the Lord bless his word today. And Amen, and use it to speak to you in a very, very personal way. I'm going to speak today on another Ephesians. We're, we're looking here at this book of Ephesians um, in particular today because it, it actually parallels perfectly the, the Old Testament book of Joshua. Joshua was, had placed the people in the land of promise for the Old Testament and so does Paul now place um, the believers in their position here in this book of Ephesians into their land of inheritance in the Holy Ghost. Now Israel and their leaving Egypt and their journey through the wilderness and their conquest of the land, it all parallels and types out the believer and the church. As you know, um, Brother Branham spoke up and preached a whole entire series on Israel and the church because it perfectly types the journey from Egypt to the possessing of the entire promises in the promised land. Now, their land was a physical land of, of Canaan. And, and of course, there is a land that we are going to that is like that, but that's not what we're preaching today. We're not speaking of the rapture nor the millennium to come or, you know, the, the, and the, the, where that the kingdom of God will be upon the earth or that we're speaking about our land, which is the, our possession, which is the Holy Ghost and all that it entails. Now, Egypt, of course, is a type of the world and its bondage. Uh, where believers are called out from slavery of sin to repentance. And many of you can remember Egypt, where you were born in sin and you were forced into slavery to do sin's bidding. 
And you remember the, the night where you were called out and began your journey toward the land of rest in the Holy Ghost. And of course, this, this divine call is justification where you repent of your sins and you ask God for forgiveness and you begin your Christian journey. But it is not the land. It's only the decision to leave that land of bondage. It's not the land of promise. Now, the wilderness, of course, would type our journey through sanctification where Israel was baptized in the Red Sea and they looked back and they could see their enemies were dead. And what a day that was when Miriam took the tambourine and, and danced and shouted the victory, seeing that her enemy was dead. And the, the, the devil that forced you into slavery of, of cigarettes or drugs or alcohol or fornication or pornography or whatever, every other kind of sin was all drowned in the Red Sea of the, of the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and those dirty habits fell off. What a day it was when you, uh, you rejoiced and danced and shouted because that you were now free from sin's bondage. That's a, that's a wonderful experience. And if you haven't been sanctified by the Spirit of God, then uh, by all means, pass through that Red Sea of Jesus' blood and have those dirty habits cut off of you. But, uh, but again, that is not the promised land. That is, that is a work of the Spirit. It is not the Spirit itself. The wilderness journey took you through uh, to the law and legalism where you learned the do's and the don'ts. You know, where the, you know those thou shouts and thou shalt nots. And, and everybody goes through that in their Christian experience where you pledge the Lord, whatever you say, we're going to do it. And you just, you just make up your mind. And whatever you say, God, you're go, we're going to do it. And, and uh, you pledge to the Lord. But notice the law tells you what is wrong and what displeases God. But it doesn't give you the power to live it. So it's a journey then of constant murmuring and complaining. And, and there, there you, people get bit by fiery serpents and some die and, uh, along the journey. They never make it to the Holy Ghost. And, and the others uh, uh, dying or convinced to look to the cross or to where sin was judged on a pole. And this is sanctification. But I want you to know, you know, leaving Egypt and this, and this of sanctification is not Canaan's land. It is a journey through the wilderness to Canaan. Canaan represents the Holy Ghost in our fight to possess every promise. It is in the Holy Ghost we find rest. It is there we receive power to cast out enemies that's camped on our promises. So there are wars and there are fights and there's killings of every kind of unbelief during this conquest. Now as Moses led Israel out of Egypt's bondage, so have we been led out of sin's bondage. First step is leaving Egypt. You know, justification, asking and receiving God's forgiveness of sin. It's a very important thing. You're never going to get to the promised land until you leave Egypt first, right? You've got to take that first step. 
where, where, you, where you decide, I, I'm going to serve God. and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow the pillar of fire. I'm going to walk in his ways. And, and, and I, I, yet I, I still, I've still got this, this um, uh, slave's mentality and sin upon me. But I, I need to be sanctified. I need God to cleanse me. And then crossing the Red Sea where we see the taskmasters of, of sin and smoking, drinking, fornication, lying, work of the flesh. You know, you, you become sanctified as all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and the sea. And then drank from the spiritual rock which was Christ. And yet though God does some wonderful, tremendous things You know, during a believer's journey to the Holy Ghost, you cannot abide in the wilderness. To stay there is to die there. To stay as a justified or a sanctified person, although you left sin and you were sanctified from bad habits, as Israel were cleansed in the Red Sea and saw their enemies dead, you know, and, and yet if you stay there in that wilderness there, it will leave you wandering around and the tribulation to come having to miss the rapture. So it's very important that you enter into the land of the inheritance. Now as Israel came to Joshua, to Joshua, to the book of Joshua, and were placed in the land of promise, so every believer must leave their Egypt of sin and come to their Ephesian. So now let's look here in this verse, chapter uh, 1, verse 3 again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings, in heavenly places in Christ. So all spiritual blessings lay in in heavenly places or positions in Christ. Every blessing there is is in the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? Amen. This is where that we are to be positioned. And, And again, God never blessed Israel until that they came to their homeland. And as, as the prophet of God said, hear me, thus saith the Lord, God will not deal with the church till she comes back to the homeland, the message of the hour. So the message of the hour is coming back to the homeland, coming back to the Bible, coming back to the original experience. Amen. Dwelling in the land of the Holy Ghost and his fullness. So you got to get away from your Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian ideas, Pentecostal, Assembly, Oneness, Threeness, Fightness, whatever it is, Church of God, Nazarene, Pilgrim, Holiness, Church of Christ, everything else, got to get leave all of that behind. Those are, those are camps in the wilderness. And there may be in the moves of God in the past. And there may be good men in there. But you got to leave all of them and go into the promised land of the full word of God. Each one have their portion. Each one have their parts. But this is not a day of having parts. This is a day of the fullness. Amen. And then you see, God never bless Israel until she gets her homeland. And God will never bless you 
as a Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Catholic, Pilgrim, Holiness, Nazarene, Church of Christ, or, or, or a Pentecostal organization. He'll never bless you that way. You've got to come back to the homeland. You've got to come back to the Pentecostal experience like happened on the day of Pentecost when the power of God changed those thousands of people and set the hearts of Philemon with the fire of God. That's where you have to return. Now, we're not blessed outside of the land. Yeah, we got provisions. We got blessings along the journey through justification, sanctification, you know, and all of these blessings are great. But really, where did he say the real blessings lay? In heavenly places, in our position in Christ Jesus. That's where the real blessings lay. Heavenly places can be thought of too as heavenly atmospheres. All right? It's where you are to dwell. Listen to me again. Every believer is to dwell in a heavenly atmosphere. Amen. Our, our, our position is not in, in, in an atmosphere of fear, depression, right. doubts, yeah. confusion, yeah. worry. That's not where we are to dwell. Come on. We are are to dwell where we take our position as believers. You say, Brother Tim, well, if you're in the land, you mean you'll never have a doubt or worry or fear? No, clouds come. Doubts come. Troubles come. But you know your position in Christ that you're not to stay there underneath the clouds of fear and darkness and division and misunderstanding. You are to dwell in the land where heavenly places of a heavenly atmosphere where the word of God has preeminence. You can bring down heavenly atmospheres, heavenly places when you take your position as a believer. Every person is responsible for their own atmosphere around them. Whether you let fear rule you, doubt, unbelief, confusion, you're responsible for your atmosphere. And that atmosphere affects you. It'll affect your family. It'll affect the church. It'll affect all that's around you. Amen. It, it, will, it will actually can it can actually repel or it can welcome other spirits like it. But you have the power to come into the land of promise, where that the the, the promise is given. I give you power to overcome, to to control the atmospheres in your life and bring them subject to the word of God. Now, I want to I talk to you about it there, you know, uh, because many, many times we look at it and we think, oh my, you know, well, we have, we have no power over this. We're, we're just helpless. You know, we, we, we can't help it. What's, what our atmosphere is, yes, you can. But the things you dwell upon, the things you think upon, the gossip of unbelief you listen to, all kinds of things can affect the atmosphere of your life and call and pull you from your position as a believer. Remember, your position is in the land. It's not in a wilderness of confusion. 
It's not in a wilderness of doubting. Your position is in the land. And in the land there is miracles. In the land there is healing. In the land there is salvation. In the land there is deliverance. In the land there is the power of God. Now, you see, every service, every service, you as an individual have got to bring heaven down. Well, I tell you, I went out and that service was a dud. Well, you're the fault. You let somebody bother you, something bother you. What somebody said bother you. Somebody snubbed you, bothered you. And this bothered you. Or their doctor's report bothered you. Or this bothered you. Amen. But you got to press past that. You got to press past that atmosphere. Because the devil's going to try to cloud it. Confuse you. Pull you down. Now, you know, you, you say, well, Brother Tim, not me. I, I, I can't bring heaven down. I tell you, I just got a bad report from the doctor. I, I'm discouraged. You know, don't listen to the voices of reason. Yes, I, I get it. Those are intelligent men who have studied the, the body and know science and have experience in those fields and, and their intelligence and they have di- diagnosed the giants. But, and, and I want you to say you can't pretend that sickness isn't there. But you must stand there and say that my God is greater than those demons of sickness. It doesn't control me. I'm to control it. You forget your position in Christ as to who you are as a son of God. Amen. That you can change the atmosphere. Well, my wife, hey, your wife ain't the problem. You're the problem. My husband, hey, your husband ain't the problem. You're the problem. Change the atmospheres. Quit making excuses for why things are the way they are and why we got to have this cloud over our lives and why I always have to be defeated. When God said, I can do all things through Christ. Amen. That I can possess the gates of my enemies. That I am called to be an overcomer. Amen. Well, I shouldn't have to fight if I'm an overcomer. No, that's the way you are an overcomer. Amen. You're there, you're in this to fight. Listen, when when devils come, when giants come, when Philistines come to come on the promised land, is somebody with me? You didn't invite them. You didn't ask them to come. But they show up with a doctor's report. They show up with a problem. You didn't ask for it to come. It wasn't your fault they came. You're here minding your own business. You're here on your land. You're here enjoying the joys of the Lord. And here now comes this bad report of an invasion. But you know what? You got to look at it and say, I'm seed of Abraham. They have no right to my joy. They have no right to take my peace. They have no right to take my help. They have no right to my divine promise. Amen. Now, 
As I said, you can't stand there and pretend the sickness isn't there. You must stand there and say, my God is greater. You see, it wasn't that Joshua and Caleb didn't see the walled cities. You know, or the giants and the people more than they. They saw the population. They saw the giants too. They saw the walled city. You see, they just saw that their God was bigger and greater and stronger than them. That's what you do as a believer. Amen. When you come against an obstacle, obstacle, it isn't that you're not opposed by the enemy or that you hadn't been attacked. And you just pretend, oh, no, I'm not attacked. No, glory to God, everything's okay. No, everything ain't okay. Amen. The enemy's come on my land. The doctor gave me a bad report. Amen. There's situations in my life that, that, that are giants. Too big for me to handle, but not too big for my God. My God said I can possess all things, that I am an overcomer, that I can rise above this. Amen, that I'm more than a conqueror. Now, God is not asking you to pretend the cancer or the problem isn't there. He is not saying for you to deny the doctor's report. No, faith is not a denial of the problem. That's not having faith. Amen. Faith is acknowledging that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Are you with me? Now, heavenly places is not just that I'm positioned in the Holy Ghost but it's also positioned in the atmosphere because that's where seeds of promise are quickened and made alive and grow and bring forth fruit. So it's very important to keep the right atmosphere around you. Amen. Now, here's an example of sitting together in heavenly places. And, and this is from the adoption series that if I'm prayed up, you're prayed up, or the church is prayed up, and we're ready for the message, and we've assembled ourselves together as saints, called out, baptized with the Holy Ghost, filled with God's blessing, called, elected, set together in heavenly places now. We are heavenlies in our soul. Amen. Our spirit has brought us into a heavenly atmosphere. Oh, brother, there you are, heavenly atmosphere. Oh, what could happen? If we could just, if we would be sitting here in a heavenly atmosphere and the Holy Spirit moving over every heart that's been regenerated and become a new creature in Christ Jesus. All sins under the blood. Amen. With our hands lifted up to God and our hearts lifted, sitting in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, worshiping together in heavenly places. Oh, did you ever sit in one? I've sat there till I would weep for joy and say, God, never leave, let me leave here. Just heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see, if you'll get in your position and realize here I am in the land of promise and this is my land. It don't belong to Goliath. It don't belong to the Amorites. God gave me this promise. It's for me. It's for my house. It's for my children. It's for my health. It's for my needs. Amen. 
And if you will stay in heavenly places in the right atmosphere, then the right mental attitude toward any divine promise will bring it to pass. So you know you're going to battle for heavenly places. That's what he says in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. He gives you the whole, the whole arsenal of your warfare, of the sword, the spirit, the helmet of salvation, your feet shot with the gospel of preparation of peace and all of these things. He gives you in life. He says you're in a battle. You came in this promised land to possess your inheritance. And if the devil takes something from you, you're going to get him back. Amen. Hey, I'll tell you, I'm not, I'm not willing for the devil to haul off my kids. I'm not willing for the devil to take my peace. I'm not willing for him to take my health. He ain't going to do it without a fight. No, sir. I'm going to take every promise of God that I have, and I'm going to shoot the devil with it. I'll put it. I'll put it in my sleeves out of faith and I'll let it loose against any Goliath. That's the way David was when he was a shepherd boy. Even though his charge was small, he wasn't going to let any lion come and get one of his flock. Amen. I remember when I when I heard of Brother Gary Stanky, a, a sainted man, a real man of God, pastors three score and ten, but laying in the hospital dying and devils coming in his room to torment him, I said, ain't happening on my watch. No, sir, it ain't happening on my watch. This ain't going to happen here. Amen. I, I went into that room to challenge those devils and the, God came by the Spirit of God and came with a great victory where he was raised up and healed by the grace of God. Amen. Amen. Let, me, let me tell you, you got to stay in your position because the devil will try to cloud your atmosphere with every kind of doubt and misbelief. He'll do it to a church. He'll try to bring divisions, quarrels, fussings, arguments. He'll do it to a group of ministers. Try to separate them with quarrels and fusses and arguments. Listen, listen, the, the message God gave us is not to fight one another with. We got to remember who the enemy is. And the enemy isn't one another. The enemy is the devil. And we got we to gotta concentrate our whole force against that enemy when he invades our land. And say, Satan, you're an offense to me. You have no right to us. Amen. If you'll stay in your position, the right mental attitude toward any promise of God will bring it to pass. Now, now don't, don't, don't say, well, I'm just in this season of sorrow. I'm in this season of sickness. No. Well, I'm past three score and ten, and, you know, well, don't get ready for the nursing home yet. You know, fight for what, you, what God gave you. Stand on your promise. Take, take someone, someone like Abraham. He's 99 and he gets a promise that he can't fulfill. 
Amen. But you see, he got into an atmosphere of believing. That's the whole thing that we got to do. That's what we're striving to do for the body of Christ is to get you into an atmosphere of believing where all things are possible. Amen. Don't say, well, I'm, I'm in this season of sorrow. I'm in this season of sickness. No, I'm in this season of blessings. Did you read what he said that's in the Holy Ghost, that's in Christ? He has blessed us. Come on. Not just with a few, but with all. With all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. Well, Brother Tim, that's my problem. My problem, it isn't spiritual, it's physical. No, if you've got a cancer, that's a spiritual problem. Don't hang up on me. I meant to say that. That was not a slip up. That is a spiritual problem. Because what has attacked you? You're, talk, you're, you're looking at the physical form. But that's not what God did. When Jesus was here, he addressed the demons behind the sickness. So it is a spiritual battle that you're in. Amen. You see, Brother Ron Spencer, he's not just in a physical battle. That's a spiritual battle. You are also in a spiritual battle. Amen. The devil comes in and he attacks. And there is a battle and a a war that is waged. And he comes with reasoning and affection and and memory. You know, you remember everybody else that died from this stuff. You remember everybody else that trusted God and died. You remember, you, you know, your whole memory, he'll use everything he can of your, of your five senses to, to come against you. But you've got another sense that is greater than that sense and avoid a voice that will override all those other voices. And that is the voice of faith. And faith can see things that your senses don't declare. The doctor will look and he will diagnose it. He sees a growth. He has an eye for it. He sees it on the x-ray. He sees it in the MRI. He sees it and he knows and he, you know, he knows by experience of what kind of, of that it is and what its name is and what it will do. But it's, he calls it one thing, but Jesus said it's a devil. And we're not dealing, we are not dealing with the growth. We're dealing with the life. Are you with me? But that's not all of it. But even the same thing. You know, the devil will come and attack your finances. Attack your marriage. Attack your homes. Attack your children. And you got to realize, it ain't my kid. It's that devil that is trying to get at me through my kids. And rob our family of their peace. But we're not putting up with it. Oh well I tell you what. I'll tear into that kid. I'll just beat him out. That ain't how, that ain't how you do it. You get down on your knees. And you call heaven down. And you change the atmosphere. To what I believe in. Well I'll 
him, I married that wife of mine, I'll tell you, I can lay her over my, my lap and spank her. Don't you do it. Don't you do it. That's the wrong thing. That'll lead to divorce. Don't you get physical. It's a spiritual battle. Become a spiritual man. Hello. Become a spiritual woman. Get the love of God in your heart. Get the peace of God. Knowing, Lord, you're going to change the situation. You're going to bring it right. Okay. That's it. I got, I'm through. You're not opening the door. Well, open this bottle. I'll get a drink. Maybe I'll feel better about preaching to you. Don't say, well, I'm in this season. You know, even your church. Even this church, you think me as a pastor is going to leave, let you stay in a season of sorrow? Yeah, my wife died two years ago. Do you think I kept you in a season of sorrow? No, I did everything I could to lift you up out of that season. Amen. We're not going to be, we're not going to be in a season of sorrow. We're going to be in a season of rejoicing. We're going to see miracles. We're going to see giants fall. We're not going to live under depression and beat down and fearful and afraid. No, we're going to be conquered. We're going to be Christians. We're not going to let depression rule us. It's not going to get in my sermons and rule me. I'm going to preach faith and power and overcoming life. You must not have loved your wife. <laughs> you just don't know. You just don't know. But I refuse to remain in some kind of beat down, feeling sorry, pitiful, worried position. I am positioned in Christ. My position is where all blessings come. Hallelujah. Now, in this land of the Holy Ghost, I am blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Again, from the adoption, blessing us with what? Divine healing, foreknowledge, revelation, visions, powers, tongues, interpretation, wisdom, knowledge, and all the heavenly blessings and joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. Amen. I'm ever heart filled with the Spirit, walking together, sitting together in heavenly places. Not one evil thought among us. Not one cigarette smoked. Not one short dress. Not one this, that, or the other. Or one evil thought. Nobody's got anything against one another. Everybody's speaking in love and harmony. Everybody with one accord in one place. You see, that's how you got to get. Amen. Now, when they were in one accord, one mind and one accord in the upper room, everybody didn't agree on the, the same ball game. Everybody 
you know, didn't love the same color. I like green, so everybody else is wearing green. We got to get in one mind, one accord. I drive a Ford, so you all got to drive a Ford. That was not, that's not the one mind and one accord. The one mind and one accord is that a group of people coming together saying we want one thing today. We want the Spirit of God to have preeminence. We want Him to move. We want Him to have His way. We want Him to bless us. We want His power to come down. We want the sick to be healed. We want, are you with me? We, we want the lost to be saved. One mind, one accord. One was a Pharisee and one was a Sadducee and one was, one was um, you know, a, a Judaizer or this or that or the other, but to come in one mind and one accord, we got to have a change. We got to have this power. We got to have the Holy Ghost. I don't know how you got 120 Jews together and got them all in one mind and one accord, but the Bible said it happened. And somehow or another, I believe it can happen today. Amen. And then came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. You see, their right attitude toward the promise brought it to pass. Now, God can't bless many churches today with that, uh, with that kind of atmosphere of divine healing, foreknowledge, revelation, visions, powers, tongues, interpretations, wisdom, knowledge, and all the heavenly blessings and joy unspeakable and full of glory because they don't believe in it. Their attitude toward it is not right. Their faith won't let them go that high. But all of this lays in the land of the Holy Ghost. Now, this is like the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews was written to a bunch of hesitant and backsliding Jews who were comfortable with just the status of being Abraham's lineage and doing the works and the deeds of the law but were hesitant to enter into the promised rest of the Holy Ghost. And Paul would have to write a whole book and he would begin out telling them this is better. This is more. You You look at the key words in the book of Hebrews it's better and more. This is greater than Moses. Moses was a great prophet, but Jesus is greater. They had a high priest of Aaron, but this is a greater high priest of Melchizedek. You know, everything that he's pointing to is better, it's greater, it's more. We're sitting back here and saying, duh, I guess it is. But you see, Satan was in them, in them priests of that age saying, you've got to keep the law of Moses to be saved. And your works of circumcision is what saves you, not grace. And their years of tradition had bound them. And they too were in Egypt of a different kind. And it wasn't sin in that sense, but yet it was unbelief, which is sin. And there they could not enter into the promised rest because of it. Now, and so they were hesitant to leave the Egypt of Judaism and the law. And Paul was saying, but this is better. This is more. This is greater. 
Now, if you will read the book of Hebrews, you'll find that like in chapter four, he, he, he goes right back and he said, they would not hear his voice and they would not enter the land. And because of this, they perished in the wilderness. Then he goes on in Hebrews 6 and said it's impossible for them who were once enlightened and and partakers of the heavenly gift if they should fall away to renew themselves. What what in the world is he talking about? He said there is a failure of of the people to enter in to the land of the Holy Ghost that we have been given. Do you know we have been in a land of wandering as a, a church, the Christendom, for 2,000 years and we've come through justification by faith and leaving Egypt's bondage of Catholicism and come out with protesting that thing and, 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 and rising up above that and we come down to the wilderness journey. But do you realize it is now time to enter in the fullness of the promises of God into the land, the whole land, that the wilderness is not our place you're people that are gathered here together today because you realize that's not your place. Amen. Amen. You don't belong there. Amen. You belong in the land of promise. But, you know, it's very similar today to saying, I've left Egypt. You know, I, I don't live in sin's bondage. I've been baptized in his name. I took on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and I've been sanctified and I received the law at Mount Sinai. I don't do nothing wrong. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't party. I watch my language. Well, I've never been drunk in my life. I say my bedtime prayers. I make, I say thanks over my meals. I make certain to consume only certain wholesome books or literature. But you never go into the Holy Ghost and His power. There's never that personal relationship with God where you're filled with God's power. You see, that's why atmospheres like this is so important. The congregation's atmosphere must be right. It must be full of faith. It must be full of expectancy. It must be excited about what God's doing. Amen. It must must be with proclamations of we shall see miracles. We shall see giants fall. We're not talking about the future. We're talking about today. Today we will see giants fall. Today we will see miracles. Today because Christ is no good. If he's just tomorrow, he's got to be today. You see, people today get under the spirit of the last days. And that's the way it is. There's a scene today with this blackness and darkness and sins, all that's going on in the world. They're setting, you know what's going on? You know what's happening? They're setting the stage for the greatest drama that's ever been acted out in all ages, and that's the coming of the Lord Jesus. That's exactly right. That's why we're having trouble in our land. Amen. The light is coming. And as it comes, darkness congeals together. That's why we're having the trouble in America. Is because the coming of the Lord Jesus is imminent. 
Amen. And it's pushing back. It's pushing against the darkness. And the darkness is manifesting itself as blacker and blacker. But we can't have the last days until people get in the spirit of the last days. You can't have it as it was in the days of Lot until people get in a Sodom and Gomorrah condition. You know, Obama told us that our nation is no longer a Christian nation. Mr. Biden says we're now a pride nation. Well, that's their identity. That's not my identity. They're identifying themselves as Sodom and Gomorrah. The fire is about to fall. The world will burn as an oven. But thank God in this day, God has preserved a seed. There's somebody going in a rapture. There's somebody preparing for the coming of the Lord. There's somebody getting in a different atmosphere. You can't have a healing service until the people get in the spirit of a healing service. That's what people don't understand. You know, faith has got to be preached. Testimonies have got to be given. An atmosphere of believing has to be done. Amen. And as a people there, if we're going to see miracles, we're going to have to have an atmosphere where miracles can happen. And every person has a part in that to strive to have that kind of atmosphere of their lives so when they come together, they create that atmosphere. We cannot have a filling of the Holy Ghost until people get in that right kind of atmosphere. That's why we have to preach the baptism of the Holy Ghost is for you. That's why we have to believe in altar calls. Give an atmosphere and a place for people to get, get, get delivered. Amen. To repent of their sins and come to Christ and be filled with the Spirit. But you see, you can't have a filling of the Holy Ghost till you get in that kind of atmosphere. And the people have to get in the atmosphere in, in, in this day to bring judgment on the earth. And that's why we're seeing every kind of thing of drinking and marriage and giving in marriage, divorce and remarriage and divorce and remarriage. And it's not just, it's not just out there, it's in the church. Pastors that are married two and three and four times and deacons that are married two and three and four times, that's the leadership. Paul told us very carefully, choose your leadership from the men that are husbands of one wife. Example marriages. Is that right? Amen. But people's got to get in that atmosphere of, you know, of, 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 of revelry, of drinking, of carelessness, of uh, an attitude of any old way will do. And, and I tell you, if you have got in that kind of atmosphere, you know, you don't have to stay there. If the atmosphere of your life has led you out into sin, you do not have to stay there. Your atmosphere can be changed to one of holiness, of purity, of godliness. You don't have to stay in that condition. Now, so they get in the atmosphere of the day. They're in the atmosphere of drinking and eating, drinking, marriage, giving and marriage, all this kind of thing like that created an atmosphere. You know, mother's out of the home. Kids are raised up by the babysitters. There's no family unity. 
You know, the devil's doing everything he can to destroy the, the family. Look in the first Exodus. See what they did. They made a proclamation to kill the children. They're trying to kill them in the education system. They're trying to kill them with science, with knowledge of man, with everything else to destroy the nuclear of the family. Dad has been replaced with moms, single parents. There's no authority in the home. Amen. It's the atmosphere. Are you with me? But I want you to know in all of that, in the, in the moment of women's lib and, and all the pressure of all the things of the world, I want you to know the glory of God is being preached. And it's being demonstrated. And it's setting forth an example of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that's going to take the church into glory. Hallelujah. Now, if your atmosphere is formalism and unbelief, then to the tribulation you go because you're in that atmosphere. You want to be careful the atmosphere that you're in. Brother Branham told us in the message expectation, he said, you believe in this time of ministry? Well, join a church that believes in that. Go and join the church that backs it up and believes in that. And you come over and get healed and go back to a bunch of people where that atmosphere is that doesn't believe in divine healing and things. Why? You'll just be bad off as you ever was. That's right. Yoke yourself up with unbelievers. You see, that's what the Bible said. Is that right? But yoke yourself with believers. And I say this. It's the atmosphere. If you want a great healing service here, let's have an atmosphere of belief. Believe and you're going to be healed. No matter how real Jesus would be here at the platform or out there, he couldn't heal you unless the atmosphere is right for your healing. Amen. Amen. You see, Jesus went into his own country and he could do no mighty miracles because of their unbelief. Is that right? Amen. He could not move until faith came. So therefore, we should strive to have an atmosphere of faith. Amen. Amen. You say, Brother Tim, why? Why is that important? Because you cannot preach salvation without preaching divine healing. Amen. You cannot preach redemption of the soul without without preaching the redemption of the body. And when you deal with sin in any measure, you, you have to also deal with sickness and every attribute. Because sickness is the result of sin. Maybe not your sin, but sin. Maybe the sin of our first parents. But sickness is an attribute of sin. And Jesus came to to save us from that. How many believe that? Amen. I tell you what we need today here is a Holy Ghost atmosphere. Amen. Where the power of God is moving in one mind, one accord, a place gathered together expecting God to move. Amen. You know, let's, let's move out of the bracket wherever you are and step up in faith. Move out into one, one, a greater dimension than what you've ever walked. Remember what I preached last week about Jabez. He prayed, Lord, enlarge my coast. And that ought to be the cry of every person here. God, I'm not satisfied with the status quo. Enlarge my coast. Israel in their journey from Egypt, they were going back to the land of their fathers. They were being restored. Somebody say restored. 
They were being restored to the land of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Amen. Now, the land that we've been restored to is the land of the Holy Ghost. And as God sent a Joshua in that day, you know, to lead them then and, and, a, and a Caleb to stand together with him. Amen. So God has sent a messenger in this day to bring us back to the original homeland. Amen. For he said there would be a prophet rise in the last day, Malachi 4. Given signs in the days as in the days of Lot and prophesying to the people to return back. Turn back to the faith of the first Pentecostal fathers. I want you to remember in all of this, this is the whole goal of the message of the hour is to get you back to that original faith. To get you back into that homeland. Hallelujah. And go back to the original Pentecost, to the original filling of the Holy Ghost, to the original power of God. Amen. Go back to the homeland. If the first branch was a Pentecostal branch filled with Pentecostal power, so impacted by the Holy Spirit until they staggered under the impact of the power of God. They went forth and they saw visions and performed miracles and opened the eyes of the blind and healed the sick and joy was in the camp. Brother, that's exactly the kind of branch God's going to have if the original branch comes back again. It'll bear the same fruit. Jesus set up the church that said, these signs shall follow them that believe. We ought to expect them. We ought to experience them. Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also and greater than these. Amen. The same works. What kind of church did he have in the beginning? That's the kind of church he's going to have in the end. Amen. Whatever the land was to begin with, is you know, when Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob walked through it, that's the kind of land they come to. Amen. And you know, the kind of land that they had on the day of Pentecost, where they were filled with the Spirit and, and healed the sick and prophesied and great signs and wonders, and they, they weren't ashamed of their religion. They danced under the power of God like, like drunk men and had cloven tongues of fire set down upon them, and they did signs and wonders and exploits followed them. That's the kind of church God's going to have in the end. Amen. Amen. So we have come through the same steps. Even Brother Branham would have a vision of of seeing a map of Palestine. He said, we come two-thirds of the way. So we come down. I looked back and saw the way we'd come, and he said, we'd come two-thirds of the way. And let me tell you, friends, it's this message that takes you all the way in. Amen. Amen. It is this message that opens up and breaks down the walls of Jericho, opens up the seals on the back of the book. Let us enter in. And as Joshua divided the inheritance for the people, amen, that, that God had left for them, that, then the same thing happens again. God has divided the inheritance. He's opened up the whole land. And there should be nothing that we are lacking. For he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Where? In the land. In Christ Jesus. In the Holy Ghost. Now, 
So it just, you know, I, I, I think about when I was there in 1965, right here in Shreveport, and I went down to Life Tabernacle as a young boy and hear Brother Branham preach the sermon, The Invisible Union of the Bride. It was a, it was a Thanksgiving meeting. And there as he spoke of the pilgrims, and the pilgrim fathers were so thankful for their newfound way of life and being separated from the old English denominations and creeds that they, they, could, they could unite or marry the, the anointed word for their age. The, that, uh, that new anointed word for the age, they could throw off the shackles of of Rome and the formalism of the Church of England. And, and so he, he, he likened it unto, uh, we can be thankful as the pilgrims, like Abraham was separated from the things of the world, and that God has now separated us from dead religions and separated us and opened us a new land, a new message for this day. Hallelujah, look where we're at. We're, we're here today where we have, by God's help, the perfect interpretation of the word of God with divine vindication. Amen. Do you believe that? I believe that. Amen. Well, let me just cover that for a minute. You know, Brother Branham said this in 1964 in Question and Answers, where he tells us we have today the perfect interpretation of the word by divine, with divine vindication. And he said, he quoted 1 Corinthians 13, says this, when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away with. So all these little things of jumping up and down like a kid trying to speak in tongues and all these other things, when that which is perfect is coming, we do have today, by God's help, the, imperfect, the perfect interpretation of the word with divine vindication that that which was in part is done away with. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, but when I become a man, I put away childish things. So now, you see... This has come to mean in many places that we, we're not to, since the perfect interpretation of the word has come, we're not to show any emotion. We're not to jump up and down or shout or, you know, speak with new tongues or anything because we have the perfect interpretation of the word. And so motion, no emotion is needed, allowed or wanted. And that the Holy Ghost today is without feeling or sensation. It's just an agreement that the message is true. And since the perfect word has come, then speaking in tongues and emotion that comes with the Holy Ghost, they're just childish things that we have put away because now with this new knowledge, we are mature. And then, but I, I want you to know that these are not thoughts that emanate from the word of God. These are thoughts that come from moves in the past where they died in the wilderness. Of moves like Alexander Campbell's Church of Christ teachings that, that we warred against. And Brother Branham warred against his entire ministry. 
Campbell taught that since we have the complete canon of the Bible, then there cannot be another word come from God. God, this Bible is complete. We have it all. So there cannot come another word from God. Therefore, tongues, interpretations, prophecies, visions, healings, miracles cannot happen because it would be an addition to the Bible. For them, the apostolic age is past. You see, this is the same spirit that we are fighting today. Yes, we're fighting it. Amen. It denies all the gifts, including the ministry of pastors, evangelists, prophets, teachers, and, and pastors, and insistent as all pass and fulfills. All you need to do is just push play. You know, for since we have the perfect interpretation, why in the world do you need a preacher? But I want you to examine carefully what was said. So all these little things of jumping up and down like a kid trying to talk in tongues. You see, he wasn't doing away with shouting and rejoicing. He wasn't doing away with speaking in tongues. That would do away with the Bible. Paul said, I would that you all would speak with tongues, but rather that you prophesied. Amen. So you see, shouting and rejoicing is not, is not done away with, but trying to work up emotion by jumping up and down like a kid in a frenzy, trying to talk in tongues. That's done away with. You see, that was the era of the Azusa movement. Well, you know, it started out as a real move of God, but it started, it became manufactured. It became impersonated. But once we got the perfect interpretation of the word of God, we know now not to work it up. We know not to, you know, that you don't jump it up and down in a frenzy and get, get anything from God. It ain't emotion that brings God. It's God that brings emotion. Amen. With the perfect interpretation of the word, we know better than to believe that emotion is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not an emotion. The Holy Ghost is a person. Amen. When he comes in, something happens. Amen. It's a life-changing experience. It's not simply a mental assent or an acknowledgement of the word. It's deity coming to indwell the individual. Amen. You see, but how could shouting and rejoicing, dancing in the Spirit, all be taken away, speaking in tongues or whatever, any gift of the Spirit, when it's all through the New Testament? And in the message, he's always, he's always insisting that the apostolic age is not past, that we're still in the apostolic age, and that we will be as long as God's calling. As long as there's one more soul to be saved, they're going to receive the same Acts 2 experience. As long as there's one more to come in, there's going to be healings and miracles, signs and wonders. As long as mercy is still extended, there's still going to be grace for healing, for miracles, for salvation, for outpourings of the Holy Ghost. Now, let me just help you just a little bit. If you're a Bible reader, and I hope you are, and you should be. You're taught to be. 
But if you'll carefully study 1 Corinthians 13 and 14, Paul is not denying or prohibiting spiritual gifts. In fact, the matter is, he goes right into the chapter of 14 and begins to explain and concerning spiritual gifts. And he said, I would that you all would have them. But if you, he's not saying, he's that, he's not prohibiting the gifts of the Spirit. He, he's simply saying that to have gifts or all knowledge of the mysteries or to even have such sincerity that you'd give your body to be burned and die for what you believe. Let me tell you, there are Muslims who have died for what they believe. There, there's Jehovah's Witness that have given their lives for what they believe. And, and you can have such sincerity that you would give your body to be burned and die for what you believe, but yet not even have the basic not nature of God, which is love. And it's nothing. It profits nothing. You did it for nothing. The Muslim who died for his faith did it for nothing. Is somebody with me? But Paul goes on to tell us that when we reach our true perfection in a heavenly state that comes by death or by the rapture, when we come in our theophanic form, that means a God-likeness form, then prophecies and foretelling of events will cease. Why? In that form you know all things. And now what will we have need of healings or miracles or visions or prophecies once joined with our theophanies? In that perfect state, we know all things. No one will tell us, know the Lord, for we will all know him from the least to the greatest. Is that right? Amen. Hebrews 8, 11 says, and they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. You see, in our heavenly state, Preaching will no longer be needed. The glorified won't need preaching to. You'll never have to have me preach a sermon to you. You'll be redeemed. Completely glorified. Preaching to you will be over with. The Bibles will be stopped. The armor's hung up. The battle is over. Amen. There won't be no need for prayer for the sick. No glorified person is going to need prayer for the sick. There won't be no need of workings of miracles. For the glorified, there will be no sickness, no pain, no doubt, no sorrows. There will be no need to prophesy the future, to foretell that God's going to do this or that in the future. But as long as we're mortal, we need healing. Miracles, faith, wisdom, word of knowledge. So let's not pretend we're already there in that perfect state, but let's strive to enter in. Amen. Many will reject the Holy Ghost and will accept another spirit who will take them back to Egypt and their unbelief. Remember Joshua, they, they would not come to that book of Joshua. They stood at that that. Kadesh Barnea and refused to enter in. So in Numbers 14, verse 21, look what it says. 
But truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Hallelujah. Truly as I live. You know, you can refuse to go in because this is right here at Kadesh where they refuse to go in. But he said, but as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Let me tell you, you can doubt. You can disbelieve. You can fortify against it. But I'm going to tell you, the word of God is going to prevail. For as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. We will see miracles and we will see giants fall. Hallelujah. Sometimes it'll get delayed because of people's unbelief. But we're still going to see it. The land is for us and there's going to be some Caleb's that will stand with the word of God in this day and possess it. Are you with me? Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, and neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. You see, these are an example. These are a warning to us in the last day upon whom the ends of the world has come. That if you refuse to enter in, God says, okay, you want to stay in your unbelief? You will not see it. You want to stay in your atmosphere of doubt and confusion and worry and unbelief? You can stay there. But the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. But you won't see it. But there's going to be an elect that will. Somebody's going to see it. I'm just going to say this. There's going to be a resurrection and somebody's going to see it. There's going to be a rapture and somebody's going to be a part of it. There's somebody going to believe. Hallelujah. But you can provoke the Lord with your unbelief. That's what happens. You get God upset when you don't believe. But, but brother, brother Tim, listen, you believe. Don't you doubt. But this giant, don't look at the giant. Uh, you know, yeah, there's a giant there, but I'm going to go kill him. Amen. There's an enemy that, yes, I acknowledge the enemy is there. I'm not pretending. He's not going to go away by pretending. The only way he's going to get away if I take a word, a promise, a stone, a promise, and load my sling. Amen. And put it in the name of Jesus Christ and let it go. Then that giant's going to fall. Amen. Somebody's going to believe. So he said, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers. Neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. You see, your unbelief can keep you from seeing the promise of God. I know the question comes around, you know, well, what if I die with this cancer, Brother Tim? What if I die with this sickness? That has nothing to do with it. Healing comes in all different forms. Amen. 
You know, we, we, the Bible said these all died in faith. To die is not because we didn't believe, but, but we believed and we held on to the promise. Amen. And, we, and he heals all diseases, but some of us in another dimension, but he heals them. As I've said, sometimes he anoints you like the living creatures of the lion, the ox, the man, the eagle. Sometimes he will anoint you with that lion anointing and you'll, you'll hold on to the promise and you're tenacious and you're courageous and you, you, you come and you roar against that enemy. And other times it'll come and it'll be a miracle and like the eagle snatch you out in just a nick of time. One moment the cancer's there, the next moment it's gone. That's a, and I just want to say, that's what you ought to be expecting. Because we happen to be under the eagle anointing. Hallelujah. Why do you know that, Brother Tim? Because we that are alive and remain shall not hinder those that are asleep, but we shall be caught up. Apostle sees, caught away. Amen. What is this? An eagle snatching you out right in the nick of time. Don't worry about Bidenomics. Don't worry about all the things that's coming. He'll be here. He'll show up right on time. He'll snatch us out right in the nick of time. The Bible calls it an escape. That we're going to escape the things that are coming on the earth. But when we provoke him, by our disbelief. When we, he says, I, you will not see the land. But verse 24, I want you to notice this. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him. You see, these were of one spirit. Amen, are you with me? But Caleb is of another spirit. And that one of that other spirit, which was the majority, amen, and they, they also convinced all of Israel, and they all died in the wilderness, and none of them that provoked him saw the promised land. But it's different with you. But my servant Caleb, look at your neighbor and say, I want to be a Caleb. My servant Caleb, because... He had another spirit with him. And he has followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land wherewith into he, he went and his seed shall possess it. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody is going to enter in. Amen. It might as well be me. Amen. I can't think of anybody else I'd rather see in there than me. I'm sorry. Amen. I want you to go, but not at my expense. I want you to make heaven, but I ain't going to go to hell for you. Jesus did that. I don't have to. Come on, somebody. I'm not staying so that you can go. I'm going so you can go too. Hallelujah. Saying, come on. Amen. Come on. Let's go to the promised land. We're more than able to take it. We can have a rapture. We can have a body change. But today, we want pastors or captains to take us back to Egypt. We just like just to be in Egypt. 
We just want a comfortable pew in a denomination, a place where we can just be a spectator. We don't want to become a participator. We want a God of history. You see, we don't want anything to stir us to conquer. We'll go back to Egypt because we're more comfortable and familiar with reasoning and psychology and ease of believism than the power of God. You know, they wanted, immediately, they wanted to return to Egypt. I want to cover this again. And to return to Egypt would mean to reject the promises of God. That's all you have to do to go back to Egypt. Amen. It's just reject God's promises. When, when the Israelites said, let us return to Egypt, they, they were saying, we don't care what God promised. We don't believe that he can give it to us. And as a result of this lack of faith, God declared, surely those who have not listened to my voice shall by no means see the land that I swore to their fathers. They heard the promise. They saw his power to fulfill it. But then they willingly reject the promise. Returning to Egypt would mean rejecting freedom. In the book of Exodus, they were nothing more than slaves down in Egypt. And, and it was such, such a horrible experience. Amen. That, that it, Egypt, even in the Bible, it, it creates a, a picture of, of oppression and slavery and captivity. But now they were saying, let us return. Let us go back. The Israelites were saying it was better to give up their God-given freedom than to follow Jehovah into battle. You know, divine healing isn't worth fighting for. We don't have the courage to face demons. We don't have the power against sin. But you see, freedom comes with a price. You have to fight for it. God gave you liberty. Come on. But you've got to fight for it. You know, to go back to their slavery... You know, how in the world could this be? You see, in their minds, no longer was Egypt the enemy. Now their hearts had turned back to Egypt and they were still slaves at heart. So the moment there was hunger, the moment they were in the desert and afraid, they want to go back. They remember the flesh pots. They remember, listen, they were no longer remembering the slavery the bondage. They were only remembering. Now, what stood out to them was flesh pots. The good things in Egypt. The garlic. The spices. The wonderful things. Oh, our wonderful life that we had there. But now, the life and the promise of God was unattainable. We don't want it. We can't attain that. But Egypt, we can take that. We, we wanted the spices, the garlic, don't you remember? And, and now they were rejecting God's leadership. And the Bible said in verse 5 that Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and, the, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes, and they spake to all the company of the children of Israel. Saying, the land which we passed through 
to search it. It is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not against the Lord. Neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But the congregation bade stone them with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all of the children of Israel. Imagine that. How heartbreaking is this story. The very stones of the enemy that were to be thrown at the enemy. Amen. These were weapons, stones to use against the enemy. They wanted to use those and throw those very stones at Joshua and Caleb. Can you imagine that? The very stones that were given to knock down Philistines. Now, I'm going to go somewhere here. You know, stones, quotes of emotion without power. Oh, the Holy Ghost not being a sensation but the person of Christ. Oh, this not being the day of Pentecost or the repeat or the return. I, I just say, don't throw those stones at me. They're for the enemy. They're not for me. Listen, listen, you know, don't get defensive about even what we're preaching here. Let me tell you, this is not against our brothers. This is against the enemy. This is not, we're not against other message churches. Neither are we trying to say we're, we're the only special thing on the block and that you've got to come here to get it. You know, I'm not, guilty, I'm not guilty of saying anyone has to leave their church and come to mine. But listen, I insist. Are you with me? I insist. That every church and every believer can have the bride's revival. You can have it in your home. You can have it in your life. You can have it in your family. You can have it in your church. It's not exclusive to Evening Light Tabernacle. This revival did not originate with Evening Light Tabernacle. Yeah, I know we've had wonderful youth camps through the years. We've seen the power of God move. We've seen the whole devils cast out. We've seen people healed. Come on. Amen. We've seen all kinds of things that have happened. We have seen ministers rise up out of of their field with the Holy Ghost and become ministers. We've seen become deacons and trustees. But that's not our revival. That's the bride's revival. Amen. It didn't, and that, that, it didn't originate with us. It's not because of us. It didn't start today. It didn't start last week. It hadn't been going on a year. That revival did not originate here. It started with seven seals being taken off of the book. And the prophet declaring, the move is on for the bride. That's thus saith the Lord. Hallelujah. But it will crescendo. Oh, hallelujah. Is there some Jabez here to say, enlarge my coast? It will crescendo into the most massive divine healing movement ever. 
with bodies becoming young, with gray hair returning to the original color, amen, with the dead in Christ that are now dust, complete and wholesome and whole bodies, glorified. And you talk about shouting and emotion. You ain't seen nothing yet. Hallelujah. You get embarrassed watching in on us of shouting and rejoicing over what we have received. Let me tell you, when the dead Christ rise, when we are glorified, hallelujah, when I see you in your new body, when I see the new clothes on you, hallelujah, when I see you change in a moment in a twinkling of an eye, when I see the dead in Christ of seven angels rise, You ain't seen a motion yet. You ain't seen a screaming fit yet. You ain't seen shouting yet. We got a job to finish. I said, we got a job to finish. We're at the end. And I just say, if our churches are in a slump, we preachers have a job to lift them up. If our church is in a season of sorrow, heartache, or division, we must strive to get them in one cord and to believe for a change of season. Faith can do it. And it's the ministry's job to encourage them to do this, to urge them who are troubled. Are you troubled and despaired? Are you worried? Are you fretful? Is there heartache? Is there bad news from the doctor? Is your finances in bad shape? Is trouble everywhere? Is your children having problems? Is your marriage having trouble? I just want to remind you what Paul said in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 11. No chastening for the present seems to be joyous. Sure, you know, with that comes sorrow, trouble, heartache, not good news. Not good news. Sister Lana, it wasn't good news to hear you had cancer all in your lungs. Not good news. Not good news to hear Mariah, that you have alopecia, that you have an autoimmune disease, and you'll never get your hair back. That ain't good news. It's not joyous. You know, it's grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, <laughs> did somebody hear that? Nevertheless, here's the nevertheless I like. There was a nevertheless I preached last week, but this one it says nevertheless. Amen. Afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So what does he say to do? What does the preacher say to do? What does a pastor say to do? Wherefore, lift up those hands that hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet lest that which is lame be turned out of the way but rather be healed. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. What does he say? Lift up the hands and hang down. Get in the atmosphere. Change the atmosphere. Yet giants have come in your land scaring the liver out of you but you don't have to stand there. Resist him. Throw him out. Possess your promise. Possess your land. Lift up those feeble hands that hang down. Are you weary? Are you afraid? Are
Are you scared? Is there trouble? Is there problem? Lift up those hands. Lift them up. Amen. And the feeble knees. Get straight tonight. Amen. I'm making straight path. Rather than just turn the lame out of the way, I'm making straight paths for you so you can be healed. That's what a real preacher does. Lift up. Come on. You can't stay there in the doldrum. You can't stay there in depression. You can't stay there in unbelief. You can do this. We're more than able to take this. We can take the land. It is our inheritance. It is our promise. So do what? Lift up. Lift up those feeble hands. Go to praising God. Amen. Say we're more than able. I'm more than a conqueror. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to raise your expectations. We shall see miracles. We shall see giants fall. We'll walk on water. It's not going to drown you. It's not going to destroy you. You're not going to be destroyed. You will take your land. You'll take your promise. You will have what God promised. It is yours. Let the musicians come. Hallelujah. 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 Blessed be the name of the Lord.
Whoa! 
thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for the miracles. Thank the Lord for the miracles. Thank the Lord for all that he has done, the greatness of his glory. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Just lift your voice to it. see giants fall Thank you, Lord, for this land. Thank you for this place, Lord, you brought us to. It's a land that floweth with milk and honey. It's a land of abundance. It's a land of peace. It's a land, Lord, we can stand on the promises and we can call, Lord, as though things that are not as though that we see them before us because we're not looking at what we see. We're looking at the unseen. 
Lord, we can stand in this land and call for our children to come home. We can stand in this land and call sickness to leave and healing to return. We can stand in this land, Lord, and say, God, we're here, Father, because we believe you are the God of the impossible. You move through impossible situations. Father, we praise you, Lord. Do miracles so great. There's none like you, Father. Hallelujah. He's here right now. He's here to minister. He's here to touch. Hallelujah. 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 Sister Mariah, it's, it's whirled through me twice. Tell her, don't fear that devil. It's dead. It's dead. Hallelujah. That giant has fallen. We will not accept him. It's over with. We're in our land. We're in our place of inheritance. We're in the place of all things are possible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All things are possible right now. Your backslider, it's possible. If you need God, it's possible. If you need healing, it's possible. All things are possible. All things are possible. Hallelujah. We're just in a real special moment right now. All things are, all things are possible. Hallelujah. 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 Why don't we just sing that to him? Thank you, Jesus. What you're playing there says, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
those feeble hands again and just tell him how great he is, how wonderful he is to you, how marvelous he is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a wonderful Savior. What a wonderful God. What a great word that we have had, we have in this day to stand upon. Hallelujah. A word that doesn't change. A word that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. How great you are, Lord. How wonderful you are, Jesus. How marvelous is thy name. How worthy are you to be praised. From the rising of the sun to the going down the same, your name is to be praised. Hallelujah.